It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhips dissecting issues. Choose as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. It is hump day. Happy Wednesday to all of you. When welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where indeed we are dissecting issues. As right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And uh, we want to remind all of you that uh, socialism is force. Uh, Socialism is not social. And the big questions in our society are freedom versus force or force versus freedom. You know, Steve, if something's a really, really good idea, you shouldn't have to force somebody to do it. I, wait, I'm, I'm confused. I just saw a, a, a video the other day that the young lady was, socialism is about social media. You mean there's <laughs> something else going on here? There's something else going on. It's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon policy or unpredictable and overtaxation. Well, the classic <laughs> thing is when the, the guy doing the interview told her what socialism really is, the look on her face was priceless. Her education system is letting us down is what's going on here. So um, we're seeing the socialization, though, of transportation, education, energy, housing, water, all of these things. So we continue. We've got to, to, we've got to push back on that. We've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, we'll be talking about headlines in this uh, first and second segment, third and fourth segment. I'll be talking with a number. It's Liberty Toastmasters Day on uh, the Americhicks with Kim Munson. And so some of my fellow Liberty Toastmasters will be calling in. And so we're talking about communication. And when we did the promo yesterday, Steve, I had I found this quote from George Bernard Shaw, the Irish playwright and 1925 winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature. And he said, the biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. So we need to brush up on our, our communication skills, and Liberty Toastmasters is the place to do that. So thank you to the team, to Steve, producer Steve, Zach, Patty, and Keith for your support, your good work. And to you, my listeners, thank you so much. I value you. I treasure you. You are treasured and valued. So thank you so much. Uh, first thing before we jump into this, I had received an email from Grady Birdsong and uh, Paula Sarles, who I actually interviewed for my World War II project, Yesterday, she is uh, a former uh, Marine sergeant, uh, had gotten this information out today, today, this evening, uh, at uh, DIA, let me get the time for you here, 7.15 p.m. at the Delta Airlines Terminal. The remains of World War II veteran machinist, mate first class George Hansen, will be escorted from DIA to Laramie, Wyoming. Hansen was among the 429 crew members killed when the battleship Oklahoma capsized after being hit by aerial torpedoes during the surprise attack on the military installations in Hawaii on December 7, 1941. Hansen's remains were positively identified in December of 2018 
and his remains will be transported back to Laramie, Wyoming, for his burial on Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Green Hill Cemetery, uh, 455 North 15th Street in Laramie. During uh, Hansen's transport to Laramie, we're asked to show our support along the route, along the side route and overpasses on I-25 as his body is uh, transported up I-25. I can't go because the girls are coming over tonight, and uh, I, I can't let them all down on that. But if they weren't coming over, I would certainly be there because um, uh, finally, after all these years, he's coming home uh, to his resting place. So thank you so much. Um, machinist mate, first class George Hansen gave the last full measure of devotion for our country so that we can be here. We live as free people uh, in a capitalist society. And uh, thank you to him. Uh, really appreciate that. So uh, our inspiration for today is from the great Christian apologist, C.S. Lewis. He says, failures, repeated failures, are finger posts on the road to achievement. One fails forward towards success. Again, failures, repeated failures, are finger posts on the road to achievement. One fails forward towards success. So uh, are you ready for the funnies? Yeah. Okay, I thought I'd do some uh, funnies about communication. So, number one, are you ready? My girlfriend told me she was leaving me because I keep pretending to be a transformer. And I said, no, wait, I can change. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Number two, doctor, there's a patient on line one that says he's invisible. Doctor says, well, tell him I can't see him right now. (laughs) And number three, I asked my North Korean friend how, how it was in North Korea, and he said he couldn't complain. And that's the money's for today. Okay, speaking of North Korea, makes me think of communism, which makes me think of new Denver City Councilwoman Candy Sidabaka. She is a product of the University of Denver, their social uh, work, a graduate School of Social Work. And uh, let's go ahead and play that soundbite again. This was during a um, debate uh, during the campaign. And uh, let's set this up, Steve. Well, I guess we'll just address the elephant in the room. I I don't believe that our current economic system actually works. Um, Capitalism by design is extractive. And in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late-phase capitalism, and we know it doesn't work, and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so whatever that morphs into, I think, is what will serve community the best. And I'm excited to usher it in by any means necessary. Does that not take your breath away, Steve? I got to confess, when you brought this to light last week, the first time we played that, my gut reaction, well, she's just a city council member. She's one of 13. Surely the rest of the council will keep her in check. But will they? I don't know for sure. And and Keith had done a little bit of researching on it. And if you go to her website, she thanks a number of different uh, funders. And one of them was... um, Ocasio-Cortez, 2018. So Ocasio-Cortez, you know, had certainly, she'd gotten money, and they were pushing money out to different candidates. The other thing that is so troubling on this is, is um, Sidabaka 
is a graduate of this Emerge program, this Emerge America, Emerge Colorado. And you can go online and you can uh, just just Google it. And you'll see that there are a number of women, uh, newly elected women, in city council and also at the Colorado State Legislature, which are graduates of this program. It's very organized. It, it brings women in to do a boot camp. Uh, and uh, really, it really puts together a, a way to win uh, campaigns. It's very well orchestrated, but you're seeing these are women that really lean far, far, far to the left. And I'm very troubled that one of the people that um, uh, endorsed Sitabaka and is also on the board of Emerge is former uh, First Lady of Colorado, Dottie Lamb. Uh, because I didn't realize that she really su- must be supporting communist policies as well. And I find that extremely troubling. But I want to talk about a few more headli- uh, or highlights in this so that you know Sitabaka is a veteran community activist, which means she didn't really have a job. Uh, and she has a degree from the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work. I wonder who paid that. Uh, she says she isn't a communist, but Jody Dean, a professor at Hobart and William Smith Colleges and one of the country's leading communist political theorists, said the remarks in question sounded like a lot uh, like communism to her. Ahead of her July swearing-in, Sitabaka uh, told The Independent this week uh, that it was talking about her thoughts on communism. And here's a few of the headlights head, or highlights. She said, do you, uh, the question was, do you identify as a communist? She's, and Sitabaka says, I have never believed in capitalism. When I started running, I affiliated as a Democrat because it was almost impossible to run as an unaffiliated. The Democratic Socialists of America, the Working Families Party, they align more with my values. The communist piece, I've been in places where we've demonized uh, people for being communists. I've been to Cuba. I love Cuba. Oh, my gosh, Steve. I cannot even tell you. I have friends that uh, (laughs) are are, um, immigrated from Cuba. I can think of three people right now, and they are the staunchest uh, supporters of the American idea. And here she's saying, I love the way that there's not that rampant consumerism like we have here. And you know what? People being able to work and then trade value for things that they think is going to make their lives better is uh, inherent in uh, uh, free people. So my friends, we need to be very, very, very concerned about this. When you said you wanted to be snarky on different <laughs> topics this morning, <laughs> as soon as you said she didn't hurt, you know, her love for Cuba, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I got 25 bucks to go to your airfare. <laughs> maybe we should start a, a freedom fi for that, you know what, and have people donate. And, and uh, maybe she should be down there. That's, you know, if she likes it so much, if she likes communism so much, why doesn't she go to Venezuela or why doesn't she go to Cuba instead of trying to drag everybody else down? Because that is what happens is everybody is what they have in common is misery. So you have the haves and you have the have nots. It's that same syndrome we're seeing with the um, large people, amounts of people coming from a state that's west of us without naming it. Uh, they they got to leave that state because it's uh, many reasons it's not, it's not livable. And yet when they get here, they vote the same way they voted there and or bring those political concepts you know to the table and and start to institute them here it's like okay if it was so great go back there and or miss sidibaka you know head for cuba but a tongue-in-cheek thing this deal with capitalism 
you should join AOC in using lowercase letters only. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. And, you know, Ben Martin said something yesterday when we were talking about the Federalist Papers. He said that ultimately then um, tyrants will offer people circuses and bread. So let's think about it. You know, when you've got your communities offering, you know, we're coming up on the 4th of July. You've got uh, communities, they're offering these big 4th of July celebrations. Who pays for that? And, and people kind of, they kind of like it. But, you know, that, that goes right to the, the, the theme of, of, uh, of governments giving people entertainment. And they're thinking that they're finding value when, in, in essence, they're extracting money from people via force to pay for this over here. If, in fact, we want to have Fourth of July celebrations, I think it's something that should be done privately. Maybe we pay, you know, pay tickets to get into Sweetwater Park for the Fourth of July celebration. What do you think, Steve? Well, I think of since we're both in that particular area, and it is a, a very constrained place space-wise. Mm-hmm. So we know we see a lot of the people coming and going. And my thought every year when I see it is, okay, we all had this swelling pride and feeling of patriotism by going and witnessing that very good fireworks display. Mm-hmm. But that's so surface. There's so much under the, under the surface that has really nothing to do with patriotism and people who really, really aren't that patriotic. So in essence, maybe what we should do is charge admission, and that could pay for that beautiful uh, um, uh, fireworks um, display. And so it could be all taken care of from private enterprise. But instead, uh, when, when Ben said something about government providing circus, entertainment, and bread, handouts on food, I thought, my gosh, we're, we're kind of at that right now. But I'm going to – let's go to break. I, I want to talk a little bit about Bike to Work Day. I, I was surprised that you did not arrive and have spandex on and your helmet and your bike helmet and everything. So uh, I want to talk about that when we come back. Okay, Steve? Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> we'll be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Auto FireGuard for sponsoring this fascinating exploration of the U.S. Constitution and sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. Kim Munson looks forward to celebrating U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We're having a conversation about uh, things going on out there, uh, headlines. We're going to be talking with a number of my buddies from Liberty Toastmasters in segments three and four. Find out what is on their mind. Uh, It is so important that we continue to work on our communication skills, and Liberty Toastmasters is a great place to do that. And you know what, Steve, tonight the girls are coming over, and I am ordering Hooters, that new shrimp that they have. Let's just hope it makes it to your door. 
You think that you think you're going to shortstop it, huh? Well, when the Grubhub guy pulls up, I'll just say, "Hey, I know <laughs> I'm going in here. I'll uh, I'll take that. I'll for take you. it, and then I'll disappear." <laughs> well, the girls love that, and um, and you know, it, speaking of uh, shortstopping it. Uh, the Rockies lost an opportunity last night to stay close to the Dodgers. They're uh, losing to the San Francisco Giants 4-2. to And uh, the series continues today at 145. And the Rocks return home on Thursday for a four-game stand against the Dodgers. I hope they'll be able to you know, get their pitching and their bats together. But the place to watch all of these great games is Hooters. Uh, Hooters has the great place to be this summer. Enjoy their beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp, which is what we're going to have tonight. And so for more information, reach out to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Certainly dine in, watch the games there. You can have uh, the food delivered right to your front door. You can stop by and pick it up and take it home. So be sure and check out HootersColorado.com. So I want to talk a little bit, uh, Steve, about... Bike to work day. As I was headed over here early, early in the morning, I saw on the city sign that it's bike to work day. And I'm thinking, how realistic is that? For me to get over here at the time I need to get over here, I'd probably have to leave my house at three. I'm not sure that I could get all my junk on my back. And, um, and I don't think it would really be safe for me to be riding around the metro area at three, four a.m. on my bicycle. So what do you think? Well, uh, this is this is bad, and I all apologies to Stephen Kessler because I dubbed this the smell test. The three questions that he's three or four questions he poses uh, that we've been covering quite liberally here in the last couple of weeks. But one of them is, you know, you felt good, but did you do good? And the bike to work thing is, to me, it falls under that question. Well, I think so, because I think that there clearly could, there's virtue signaling of I biked to work today and you took your car. But think about all the hardworking people out there. You know, the guy that needs his pickup truck and all the tools in the back of his pickup truck. You know, in order for him to go, you know, to do his business, to, to earn money, to take care of his family, it's not even realistic for him to consider bike to work. You know what I think that they should do, because... Uh, you know, this is all wrapped up into, you know, moving people out of their own individual vehicles. It's all wrapped up in this whole uh, climate change narrative, although we haven't even gotten to 90 degrees yet in uh, Colorado this year. I think it's going to happen this week. It's coming. It's coming. But uh, this is the latest, I think, I heard since like the mid-90s, uh, in, um, I think 1995. Uh, this will be the latest that, it, that will hit a 90-degree day. So this is all wrapped up in this uh, global warming. And so when it's uh, not really hot, they call it climate change. But the, the effort is it's to use force to get people out of their cars. And, uh, you know, I, I know this may be a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go ahead and go there. And that is, is that in the Constitution, it says that that Congress shall make no law establishing a religion. I submit to you that a religion is a set of beliefs, uh, a set of ideas. And uh, so this this belief now in, uh, in climate change, which then they use to try to use to forcibly get people out of their cars, out of their individual safe vehicles, onto bicycles, onto buses, Onto, uh, onto trains, and people are saying, wait, I like, I like the safety of my personal vehicle. I like the fact that I can go where I want to, when I want to. And so I would submit everybody 
all of these um, politicians, bureaucrats, interested parties that are using city dollars and city signs to push forward this particular idea. I think what they should do is just shut down the buses, shut down the trains and everything today. And all those people, I think they should bike to work. I think that it would uh, relieve some of the congestion on the roads. What do you think, Steve? Well, I, I kind of got a guilty feeling only because we don't take the time to do a disclaimer when we're talking about stuff like this. This show and the content therein is not against any one of these things at its core. It's that there's so much that comes baggage that comes with it, baggage that costs the taxpayer. And let's not even get into how much we're subsidizing light rail with that, that $5 ticket you buy is the actual us. cost is about 20 to 25 dollars yeah it's a fraction of and again we contend i contend that the average consumer that doesn't have a clue how much they're paying in taxes and fees in an annual uh, on an annual basis oh they think they know it because of their w-2 and they see what they paid for on their income tax and stuff like that but there are so many other taxes and fees out there it, it's just astonishing and again we're not against these the, these in principle because they are good ideas in that sense. But what does it cost us to do it? Well, and, and so it comes down to the freedom versus force. <clears throat> so are we forcibly trying to get people out of their cars or are we letting them make the free choices? Government should be there uh, to, to take care of the roads. There's a few things that they're supposed to do. It's supposed to be limited. And uh, basically, government is there to be limited and to then have in place um, to protect people's rights to go after their hopes and dreams. <clears throat> That's really what it's all about. Let's move over then to... So before you go, just so <laughs> okay. you know that you never know who's listening, uh, our uh, eye in the sky <laughs> or ear on the road, Dan Muir says, remember, as the world warms up, it gets colder outside. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay, we're going uh, to go to Jason McBride here in just a few minutes. Before we do that, though, <clears throat> Patty had found this article. This is from Forbes. <clears throat> and it says, the Social Security expansion could shrink our economy by $1.6 trillion. It says, congressional Democrats are poised to pass the first Social Security reform bill in 35 years, with House passage predicted by Congress summer recess. But unlike the 1983 reforms, which were evenly split between tax increases and benefit cuts, the Social Security 2100 Act consists of more than 100% tax increases because it not only raises payroll taxes to fund currently promised benefits, but increases benefits for all current and future retirees. But when we're talking about the biggest federal program, the biggest tax most workers pay, and, and then uh, need to make sure that you all know that employers match that. And the biggest source of income for most retirees, Social Security reform doesn't take place in a vacuum. An Ivy League economic model projects that the Social Security 2100 Act's tax and benefit increases could dramatically shrink the economy over the next two decades. And then due to an aging population, Social Security is short by $14 trillion over the next 75 years. And the Social Security 2100 Act, sponsored by John Larson, a Democrat from Connecticut, and supported by 207 House Democrats, fixes all that gap by raising taxes. Social Security's 12.4% payroll tax would increase to 14.8%, while the 132,900 salary ceiling on which Social Security taxes apply would be phased out. 
Combined with federal income taxes, Medicare taxes, and state income taxes, high-earning taxpayers could face marginal tax rates topping 60%. But Social Security 2100 goes beyond merely funding Social Security's currently promised benefits. In addition, all retirees, disabled, and survivors would receive higher initial benefits followed by increased cost-of-living adjustments. You know, Steve, yesterday after the show, we were talking a little bit about, you mentioned something called vote buying. This, to me, looks like big-time vote buying. And, you know, one of the other things that I do is this World War II project. And, uh, you know, we look at history. We look at the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, where Americans were willing to put their lives on the line so that they could pass on something good to the next generation, like freedom and, and these, uh, this protection of these individual rights. I have to ask us, baby boomers, how is it that we think that what we want to pass on to the next generation is a big, fat IOU? that they're going to have to pay for. We need to step up and we need to actually get serious about fixing these problems instead of pandering here and working to buy votes. That's all this is about, is to buy votes of the baby boomers. Steve, your thought? Well, and ever since we talked about this yesterday, I've been boning up on what I would say, like you said, well, why don't you write your thoughts down? I just can't get past, you know, watching, you know, the, the other side, the Democrats, lining up the the candidates and the amount of things that they're willing to offer as free as, college, you know, fr- you know, all this reparations and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, it, to me, it was a grandiose admission is that I, as a candidate really don't have much to offer. So let me put this flashy item out there in front of people and, you know, see if I can get some votes. Wow. So I hope you're working on that piece because I'd love to have you put that down on paper. So let's go. Uh, let's go to Jason McBride. I'm, I'm a little fired up about bike to work today and on a variety of things. Jason, what's on your mind? Well, uh, probably not anywhere near as exciting as what you're talking about. <laughs> now, the Social Security thing you're mentioning, I didn't get the, the article from Patty. Did they? Uh, of course, I'm sure they spelled out how they're going to pay for it very clearly. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> no, they didn't? No, well, I, think, I don't think they explained exactly. But, well, they say that they're going to increase taxes. They're going to increase payroll taxes. But, oh, on the rich only, though, I'm sure. No, 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 because uh, it's that they say it's going to be the rich. But um, let me get the article here because I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Hold on here. They are going to increase payroll taxes. Uh, currently, it's split 50-50. So um, let me get to it. Uh, the worker pays uh, 6.2% currently, and the employer pays 6.2%. They're going to increase that to 7.4% for each side. Now, Jason, these things don't happen in a vacuum. If the cost of labor goes up for these employers, and these are your hardworking people that are going to have to pay that, there will be an adjustment in the economy. And that's a problem that I think that these politicians don't realize is they think everything's static and that maybe they can look at those dollars and nothing will happen in the economy. But you, you, one thing affects another, and you'll start to see... People not, uh, I mean, I think it'll constrict the economy because employers won't hire as quickly because they just don't have the money because their costs have gone up. Well, that's probably true. And the other thing is raising that uh, payroll tax by the 1.2% on each side. 
that doesn't pay for anything new. That just finally gets us in balance over the next uh, 75 years on the benefits that we're currently paying out. Wow. So it doesn't pay for anything. It just keeps us in the same uh, glide path, uh, you know, deficit glide path on the, on the program that we're on now. Boy, I tell you what, Jason, I hope that we end up finally having some honest conversations about who, who we are. Are we a people that really wants to pass something good to the next generation, or do we want to pass uh, on a big uh, fat IOU? I mean, I think we need to ask that, who are we as, as a people? Yeah, it is very difficult uh, to balance. And, you know, the problem is, Kim, once you let a program like this turn into a monster, the way it is where everybody wants to get it, it's hard to take it back. Once you give out uh, more than you should, when you uh, try to take it back to make things right, then you get accused of being cruel or uh, taking food off of people's tables and uh, you know, I've, I've kind of always said we've had three major shifts uh, as far as presidents towards socialism in this country. Uh, the first one was FDR. I mean, God mm-hmm. bless him for getting us through the war, but he didn't do a lot of uh, good things as far as uh, capitalism and, and the republic. Uh, then Lyndon Johnson uh, yep. came along and dropped the Medicare uh, bomb mm-hmm. on us. And and then, of course, you know, we had Obama who tried to put the nail in the coffin and didn't quite complete the job. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Jason, this wasn't what we were really going to talk about. <laughs> what, well, what I didn't know it? what I was going to talk about. <laughs> you know, I well, I knew, but this is this is fine. What I was going to talk about can be saved for another day. So that's okay. Okay, great. Then we will do that tomorrow. Jason McBride, you know, thank you so much. And uh, one of the things that you specialize in is you will sit down with people and look at their nest egg and uh, no pressure but you'll say this is good if you they if you're with somebody that you like that's great but yet you are willing to sit down you don't lock the door and and force people but you will talk to them about their financial well-being their economic their economic prosperity and when we talk about the economy everybody's personal economic prosperity is is really what matters to them and that's something that you specialize in Well, I think, yeah, it comes down to every individual person that comes in has a different story, different needs, uh, different situation, and uh, you you do your best to try to accommodate their needs with what they have. And one of the other things is, is, uh, you know, I'm honest. I mean, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. If somebody is coming in and say, well, I want to retire at this age, and here's what I have saved, and I want to have this much money coming in. If it's not realistic, I'm going to tell them that, too. So uh, it might not be the news you want to hear, but it might be the news you need to hear. Ah, there you go. So more information, check out chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And uh, the phone number over there is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Uh, thanks, Jason. We'll talk to you to you tomorrow. Have a great show. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. We have on the line with us Brad Beck, who's one of the co-founders of Liberty Toastmasters. And being able to communicate with each other, that is one of the most important tools that we have. And so we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. 
follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have on the line with me uh, Brad Beck. He is one of the co-founders of Liberty Toastmasters. Brad, welcome to the AmeriChicks. Good morning, Kim. Good to hear your voice. Good to talk to you as well. And uh, communication being able to talk with others, to get your thoughts formulated and, and actually verbalize them is something that everybody needs to work on. Liberty Toastmasters is the place to do that. And so what's on your mind today? Well, you know, in Toastmasters, one of the things we work on constantly is a little exercise we call table topics. And that's the ability to organize your thoughts quickly and respond to an impromptu question. And so Today, I thought, you know, that would be a good exercise to do. But a lot of people are fearful of speaking extemporaneously. So I came up with this little method that I use to prepare, because even though it's speaking impromptu, you don't know the question, you can prepare. And so I always try to do that the night before a meeting. I've come up with this little owl method, like the bird owl, O-W-L. And I think of that nursery rhyme that John Wooden used to share with his uh, student athletes when he was the coach of the UCLA Bruins. He used to say, a wise old owl sat on an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Wasn't he a wise old bird? <laughs> and I love that because it gets you to do a couple things. First, in this little method I came up with my own little mind, is the O stands for to observe and to look around the world and what stands out, what grabs your attention, what's ordinary and yet extraordinary. Your eyes are always on a swivel, if you will. Your head's on a swivel. You're always looking, observing. Now, I'm going to skip over the W for a moment and go to the L, which is listen. So if you're observing, I also think you should be listening. What do you hear now? What are the sounds that are coming in? You know, what do you feel about the, the environment you're in? And is it loud? Is it, is it you know, ly- lyrical? Is it disturbing? Is it, is it deep? You know, your ears are open to the, to the sounds around you. So if you are observing, you're listening, then the W would stand for writing it down. And this is where most people get messed up because they write down, but then they don't take the next step is to start to edit. So write down what you hear, write down what you see. And the W kind of unifies the O and the L. And by writing it down, for me, it makes me a better speaker because it clarifies my thoughts. It gives me the ability to be clear, concise, and then to be brief. And this process really gives 
us as speakers the opportunity to be efficient with our words, but to get to the point and to be a better communicator. So this OWL method I came up with helps me, and I, that little rhyme, I, I repeat it all the time, because it makes sense to listen more and then be able to respond. Okay, and so you said that on your table topics that you normally uh, may have an idea before you go in into into uh, the meeting. So I hadn't really thought about that. So preparation, even extemporaneously, makes a lot of sense, right? Absolutely, absolutely. When I get up in the morning, you know, I do a couple things, and I got this from one of my gurus, Jeffrey Gittimer, the gentleman who wrote the Little Red Book of Selling and the Golden Book of Yes Attitude. And I think it starts with attitude, starts with a yes. But, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what do you do? You know, besides doing the natural things that you need to do, but do you read something? Do you write something down? Do you, do you think? Do you create? You know, and then more, more importantly, do you prepare? Do you prepare for your day? What are you going to do? Most people just float around. Well, the same thing with Toastmasters. You have to prepare. You have to bring your A game. Now, I'm not saying you have to have everything memorized, but what you have to do is come prepared to be able to speak, to think, to listen. And I love that. And, you know, I have, uh, I've come a long way from my very first uh, Liberty Toastmasters meeting. Uh, when I got up on table topics, my knees were knocking. I was so nervous about it. And Me too. If, you know, and, yeah, and fr- <laughs> friendships are developed there. Uh, we don't judge <clears throat> each other. We compete, but we don't judge and uh, it's just a really, it's a, a really great thing. And so Liberty Toastmasters Denver meets the first and third Saturdays at 10 o'clock at the Independence Institute. And then Liberty Toastmasters North meets the second and fourth Saturdays. Did I say that right? Saturdays? Yeah, okay. absolutely. At 10 o'clock. And where's that at? That's up at 619 Ken Pratt. And uh, it's right on the corner of 287 and Ken Pratt Boulevard. And it's right behind the uh, Goodfellows restaurant there. And, and come and visit us there. This Saturday is Liberty Toastmasters in Denver. Please come. Uh, come arrive a little bit sooner than uh, we start at 10, 10 o'clock on the dot. And just observe and come and hang out with us and learn what we do. And we definitely can help you reach your goals of better oral communication and leadership skills. Well, fantastic. Brad Beck, thank you so much. Thanks, Kim. Okay. On the line with me is uh, I think our friendship really started at Liberty Toastmasters, and that is Christy Whaley. Christy, what is on your mind this morning? Yes, it sure did, Kim. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I wanted to start start off this morning by giving you a little sugar. I saw this, and I thought of you instantly. And this is what it says. Be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh, crap, she's up. <laughs> Thank you I so much. <laughs> thank and I you. Think of you and I think uh, so many of the ladies that w- will be at your home tonight will be at your home tonight, and so many of them are like that. But I think you epitomize that. So, oh, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> That's I funny. That. Right back at you. And, How's that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was having a tough time focusing on any one particular thing. In fact, you talked about some things. This morning, for instance, oh, okay, I can talk about uh, ride to work day. I am planning on walking as soon as I we finish here along the Highline Canal, and I'm afraid I'm going to be run over by these bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and a few, I think it was a week or so ago, I saw a guy painting on the, the sidewalk there, or the path, and I said, what are you doing? Because I don't like graffiti. 
And it turns out it was a stencil that he was using to put down Ride to Work Day. Well, that uh, kind of started to raise my hackles. And I said, well, what's going on? And so he explained it to me. And I said, and I, I didn't go into it a whole lot, but I said, well, he said, we'd like people to ride to work. I don't know who we are, but mm-hmm. he was probably some city employee. We'd like people to ride to work today or on Wednesday, and we'd also like, but we'd also like them to ride to work the rest of the time. So anyway, I just he assured me that the the graffiti would wash away. But anyway, so that's not really what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> okay, but thanks I, for the comment. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, um, you've probably heard of Thomas Sowell, mm-hmm. the economist and brilliant author of books, and. He had a column that he used to call Random Thoughts on the Passing Scene. And so I was thinking of, I had all these random thoughts on the passing scene, so I'm taking a page from his columns. And one of the things I'm thinking about, of course, is our upcoming celebration of the birth of our nation in a little over a week. And I've always felt so blessed to have been born in this mm-hmm. country. And then another thing that's going on right now, I mean, this, has, this all has to do with that, is our Vino, your Vino and Veritas, how you are partnering with Tom Cranawitter to put this together. And Kim, that is the highlight of my month. Aww. And I, I must, I mean, it really is. I, I think we're all kind of nerdy there, but I might be one of the nerdiest of the nerds. But anyway, I do love it so much. But one of the things I've realized, I thought that our, uh, the Americans beating the mightiest empire in the world was was miraculous and i still think it was miraculous yes yes but now now studying the constitution via the federalist papers i'm thinking that was almost as miraculous if not more so the the coming together the drafting of the constitution as was winning the war and it reminded me and i think this is kind of the crux of the issue when you think about the drafting of our Constitution the move, in the movie The Patriot, starring Mel Gibson, and he plays a man by the name of Ben Martin, and <laughs> which is kind of funny because uh-huh. we have our friend Ben Martin uh-huh. at Toastmasters. But at any rate, Ben Martin in the movie is reluctant to go to war. In fact, at a town hall meeting, he's saying he doesn't want to go to war. And this is what he says. He says, why would I want to trade a tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away. Hmm. And I think that's almost the crux of the issue. How are we going to form this government that was going to keep us from being ruled by tyrants? And anyway, so... And they they did it. They really did it. And as you mentioned, this Vino and Veritas and the study of the Federalist Papers, I was up in Fort Collins last night for the very first one. And uh, it, it's becoming more and more apparent what a what an amazing document this is. And Christy, and we're going to have to go to break, but we are cheating our children by not teaching the Federalist Papers. And uh, I had a, a, a young mom uh, who is going to Vino and Veritas. She said, I never studied this. She said, my husband studied this because he was homeschooled. But I never studied this. And I said, do you feel cheated? And she said, yes. But here she is as an adult. She is hungry for this. And I am just so excited about what's going on with that. And, Christy, it's uh, always so fun, to, so fun to see you. Um, so we see you tonight, right? 
Yes, for sure. We're doing our patriotic gift exchange. It is going to be fun. I know. Absolutely. I so, know. Okay, Christy, thanks so much. We're going to go to break because we have Greg Morrissey on the line from Liberty North. Thank you, and we'll see you later today. Okay, we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 21st through Thursday, June 27th, features will include Toy Story 4, Godzilla, and Aladdin. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Yes, it's Frank Sinatra Day with the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Welcome back where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. It is also Liberty Toastmasters Day. And uh, thrilled to have some of my colleagues on this morning. We talked to Brad Beck and Christy Whaley in the last segment. Greg Morrissey is on the line now. Greg, welcome to the AmeriChicks. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So what is on your mind today? What I'm on my mind today is what the U.S. is doing. And you don't see it in the press, but the influence what President Trump and the U.S. people have around the world. And I'm going to go back to my home country of Australia. The headline was, what the bloody hell just happened in Australia? The polls were wrong. The pundits were wrong. The party insiders were wrong. A conservative got elected to Australia's prime minister, which is the equivalent of a being president. It is almost the exact same circumstances that President Trump got elected. All the news and all the polls were saying Hillary was going to get it. She didn't. President Trump got elected. So what I'm trying to say is that... Um, the people of the United States, you are having an influence around the world. Well, and you're the light of the world, and the light is being lit, and keep it lit. Well, and it's also happening over in Britain. Nigel Farage, I've had him on, on uh, uh, the show before, and with, with Brexit, uh, with what happened to Theresa May. Uh, so I hadn't really thought about it. Just It's starting to, to gain momentum across the world. That is pretty exciting. Across the world. And, this, and like I said, the other one I've got is Great Britain. They're wearing hats. Make Britain great again. And they were carrying <laughs> American flags. Wow. There were rallies in London and in England. And you have to go and find them. You don't see them on the regular press. But I want all the people listening to your show, the people of America, realize you're one nation under God and your light has been lit. And don't let the light go out. That freedom, that, that purpose for people need to have to be free enterprise 
to the religion of their choice, don't let it go. It's priceless. It started. Keep it going. Well, and, you know, Reagan said that basically freedom is just one generation away. We make each generation has to, I'm paraphrasing, but each generation has to to fight for it. Now, how long have you been in the United States, Greg? I've been here since 1983. I've had my U.S. citizenship now for 13 years. Okay, and so when did you start the process to get your U.S. citizenship? That started when I first came through and I was in those long lines in Los Angeles, California at the Immigration Department getting the whole process going. So let's see, I should be able to do the math on this, but how long did it take you? It took me, when I, once I finally started pushing it, it took me five years. Okay, it took you five years, and did it cost you anything? Yes. Was it pretty expensive? It wasn't that expensive, but it did cost money, yeah. Okay, so it took you five years, um, but you are such a... Uh, and you appreciate the American idea and the idea that you're a U.S. US citizen. I mean, you are one of those people that really embodies it and, and talks about it all the time. Uh, and why is that? Oh, because I believe it's um, this is one nation under God, and it's to be God's nation of light to the world. This is what, to get to know God, America needs to get, get to know God and become and have a relationship with him. You know the interest. Now, I just see the founding fathers, and that the uh, when I've studied the Constitution, I went through all the tests and passed the tests, and I think this didn't happen by accident. This is a planned event. Right. the The hand of providence, really, what is uh, on America, and in fact, next week I'm planning some really important shows regarding uh, our founding and also Gettysburg, because uh, the Battle of Gettysburg started on July 1st. It was fought, fought from July 1st to July 3rd. Um, but I, I think that it is important that uh, I just had mentioned when I was talking with Christy that our, our kids in the education system are not getting the whole picture. They're being told about the separation of church and state, which means it's been morphed into that you can't talk about God. Um, but when we, we talk about a nation under God, the founders also realized that our God is not a God of manipulation and coercion. He really is a God that allows us to choose uh, to accept him or to reject him. So there's great freedom in that. But they acknowledge that the, the creator of the universe, really his providential hand was on the founding of this country. And the fact that we aren't teaching that to kids now, I think we're cheating them. What do you think, Greg? You, I agree with you 100%. I've got my children and my grandchildren. I'm teaching them. I make sure they know. Well, what a novel idea. You know what? That's how it used to be, is that families and parents made sure that their kids knew these things. So that's one of the things about Vino and Veritas, which is so great, the study of the Federalist Papers, is that, uh, you know, people are gaining this knowledge, and then we're taking it back to our families to be able to teach that. And uh, and that's another reason why we do this show as well, Greg. That's wonderful. Okay. Any Any final thoughts, Greg? America, you're becoming the light of the world. People are watching you, following you, and believing. And that you've elected President Trump, don't let the light go out. Okay. Whatever well, it takes, make that light burn brighter. Well, and, and one of the ways you can do that is to listen to the AmeriChicks every morning, Monday through Friday. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Greg, thanks so much. And we still we have to meet for that cup of coffee one of these days. We haven't met face-to-face, yep. and we're going to have to do that. 
Yes, we do. Okay, for sure. So thank you so much. So Liberty Toastmasters, is, uh, it is really a great organization where we get together uh, and we're able to kind of kick the tires on a variety of different ideas, work on our communication skills, and uh, really there's friendships that develop from that. So Liberty Toastmasters in Denver will be meeting this Saturday. Actually, this is the the third Saturday, and so we're, we're doing an extra meeting. But normally they meet, or excuse me, this is the fifth Saturday. We normally meet the first and third Saturdays in Denver at 10 o'clock at Independence Institute. Uh, we are meeting again this Saturday at Independence Institute at 10. And then Liberty North meets the second and fourth Saturdays of each month. And that is up at Longmont. And uh, there are websites for all of that. So uh, uh, let's see. It looks like we may have uh, Carol Baker on the line as well. Is that right, Steve? I'm seeing. Okay. Maybe. Yep. Okay. Um, Carol Baker, how are you doing this morning? Okay. Hey, Carol, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing just fine this morning. I've been listening to your show, and uh, I would like to chat with you about Liberty Toastmasters. It's something I've been pretty excited about lately. Well, you are, you are a very good communicator. So we've got just a few minutes. What's on your mind this morning, Carol? Well, you know, I will tell you about years ago when I started following the Royals baseball team when I was in Kansas City. And it is a phenomenon that I have found to be true in my life that I call the Royals phenomenon. Okay. I was going to go visit my grandmother who lived not too far from the stadium. And I had to drive by the stadium to get from where I was working at the time in Kansas City to go visit her at her nursing home. And I was tired of just visiting about the same old things. But I knew she liked baseball and she covered, you know, she followed baseball and was current instead of talking about the all stuff. So I started listening to the sports talk radio just so I'd know more about the Royals. The concept I learned is the more I paid attention, then the more I got interested. Then the more I got interested, I wanted to pay attention. Then when I paid attention to more, I got even more interested. <laughs> and it all started because I wanted to have something to chat with my grandmother about that wasn't a 60-year-old topic. Uh-huh. So uh, I found that to be true with uh, Toastmasters. I'm learning how to not just talk, Kim. You know I can talk. <laughs> I'm learning how to speak. You really are. I'm still also having to <laughs> I, But now I'm still having to learn what it is I have to say. And I'm not just paying attention to the headlines. I, I go to one meeting. Then I go to a town hall meeting. Then I meet someone there who says, well, come meet me at so-and-so's house. Or let's go to this other meeting. You might like hearing this guest speaker. And so as I go to more things, I'm hearing more things. I'm formulating my thoughts. One of these days, I'll have something to say. And when I do... I'll know how to speak. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Carol, very quickly, just give that um, Kansas City Royals phenomenon one more time. That is so fascinating. Right, because I wanted to have something new and relevant to talk to my grandmother about. I chose to start paying more attention to baseball. And so I listened to sports talk radio. As I learned more, I got more interested. As I got more interested, I paid attention more. Then that cycle kept going. As I paid attention more, I got interested more. You know what? And I think Couldn't that, that happen with anyone? Absolutely. And I think that we need to to really take that home to the American idea and what is happening out there. Uh, because the more mm-hmm. interested, the more informed you become, the more you learn, the more you pay attention, and then it empowers us to be able to 
communicate with our friends, our family, and our colleagues about why this this American idea is so important to protect. And you know, the evening I spend going to hear my city councilman just give his town hall meeting once a month. I don't really miss the Tuesday night TV shows that we're on. <laughs> There you go. Oh, my gosh. Well, Carol Baker, thank you so much. I appreciate your call in and this uh, great little I said that there's going to be some great food for thought in these conversations with all of you. And uh, this is a great one. So thank you so much. I appreciate that, Kim. We'll talk to you later. Okay, thank you. And so our quote for today is again, this is C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist. He said, always prefer the plain, direct word to the long, vague one. Don't implement promises, but keep them. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.